Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea. Freedom is messy. I want you to know tonight that in order to endure in freedom, it's a messy, messy situation. And that some people ain't free because they're messy. Some people are not free in their walk with God because they are messy in what they do in life. And they're struggling to see God for who he is and see themselves for how God sees them. And the whole thing coming around tonight is this. I believe that oppression is the driver of everything we heard tonight. See, the church has got wrapped up in possession. Pastor, let me find out who's possessed. We got to deal with the possessed. But see, the enemy is smarter than that. He knows that possession is visible. It don't take much for somebody to come in the church and be possessed and somebody with a discernment and anointing of God to see it and call it out. But 40, 50, 60, 70 percent of the church can be oppressed and nobody say a word. So the enemy says, why do I need to possess you when I can oppress you and mess the whole thing up? Because nobody can see what you're really dealing with and I can have my way with your life. Freedom is this. Freedom is what it means to be released from bondage, to become all that you've been redeemed to be. I can't be free until my my drive and passion for freedom is to be all that I've been redeemed to be. God, I don't want to be free so that I can try to find my way. I want to be free because I want to walk in the redemptive power that the blood of Jesus has bought me to set me free. I don't want to be anything but the redeemed child of God that you've called me to be. But the opposite of that is oppression, which means to dominate another person as to control them mentally, physically, and spiritually. I'm going to oppress you. I'm going to, I'm going to push down on you. I'm going to put weight and authority on you. And I'm going to keep every dream, hope, vision, passion, and desire that God could have inside of you down and keep you believing that that's who you were created to be. Oppression is when a man tries to be God or a woman tries to be God over the life of someone else. Or maybe we can look at it as Satan tries to be God over the life of an individual that they can stop you from being who God's called you to be to the point that God can no longer lead you. Not because God does not have the power to lead you, but the oppression has deceived you to a point that you don't believe God can lead you any longer. God has the power to do it, but do we have the faith and hope and belief in who he is to allow him to do it? See, I don't want to be oppressed, pastor, but I also kind of like the lifestyle I live. You can't kind of like something and want to be delivered from it. I can't put my sin in my pocket and take it out and play with it when nobody's around. 
I can't say, Pastor, that, that the enemy is, is after me all the time and all these things are attacking me, but want to get home and say, just let me hang on to that peace because that peace from what's been taken away in that service will be built on top of every day that you're not in service. And that's why a 30-minute service is not your answer. But an on-time eternal God with the power to break the bondage of your life is the one that'll do it. So let me help you. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. What was going on in this time was that there had arose up a new king over Egypt. And the Bible says he knew Joseph not, meaning he didn't care about anything about God's people. It didn't matter to him. He didn't care about nothing. Matter of fact, he says, look to his people. He says, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal with them shrewdly. If we don't, they'll become more numerous. They will expand past us. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. Watch what he says next. So let me put slave masters over them to what? Oppress them. Let me put slave masters to oppress them and force them with labor and they will be, and, and then they will build the cities for us. Watch. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and the Bible says that they worked against them ruthlessly. How many can sit here and say that the enemy has worked ruthlessly in your life? Come on, this ain't all, we're not perfect people in here tonight. You can be real with me. How many have went through a season of life where the enemy dealt ruthlessly with you? Ruthlessly with your marriage, ruthlessly with your kids, ruthlessly with your finances, ruthlessly with your health. He's dealt with you in a way that he didn't care. All he wanted to do was stop your purpose from multiplying what God has for your destiny. And the way he does it is by oppressing the thing on the inside of you that God is trying to raise up. It's not that God can't raise it past him, but the person that is walking in the vessel has to make the decision that, God, I want you to set me free, that this thing cannot overcome me. And they're battling. And the first thing the enemy does to your life is oppresses you. The first thing a man or a woman in your life that wants to control you to do will oppress you. But listen, they didn't stop multiplying because they were oppressed. Your calling, your purpose, your passion has not stopped multiplying. God has not given up hope on who you are because you have lived the season of oppression. God does not see you any less. God is trying to bring you forward. This king could care whatsoever about the people. But in Exodus chapter 1, we see that they're in bondage. But if I jump just over to Exodus chapter 2 and go about the 23rd verse, I find that now they're crying out for help. 430 years they were in bondage. 430 years God's people were oppressed by the enemy. The Bible says in, in verse 23, it says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. Listen what happened. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out and they cried for help because their slavery and it went up to God. They changed their mind. They said, okay, I don't want to be this way anymore. I'm going to cry out to a God who can save me. And watch what happens. God says, the Bible says that God remembered their covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, we can preach a long thing about the covenant, but basically what the covenant was telling them is they had the right to be free. God remembered the fact that his people had the right to be free, and that's what he desired for them. 
But I find it so interesting that in the midst of chapter 1 and 23 verses into chapter 2, that Moses' life is inserted right in the middle. Just a rare occasion to be speaking about Moses and how it says that Moses was conceived, he was birthed, and that he was hidden, and that they found him, and that Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him in the palace, and that all of a sudden Moses kills an Egyptian, and now he's on the run for his life. Why is that even important? Because God is trying to tell you tonight that in the middle of the oppression, God was raising up a deliverer. That in the middle of your oppression, the middle of the thing you're facing right now, God has already raised up a deliverer that will set you free and set you on the path to freedom indeed. So we find Moses running. And it's interesting because Moses had killed this man and his whole life was following him. It was oppressing him for what he had done. And I wonder why we find Moses on the backside of the desert with an encounter with God. And when he encounters God, the thing God does is sends him right back to the place he was running from. Why? Because if I'm going to be a deliverer and I'm going to do God's work and I'm going to help people to be delivered, I need to be delivered from my own situation that I can help somebody to be delivered. Moses, you're running from your own problem until you get back to Egypt and you face the problem you had. I've already provided. I've already made a way. They're not going to harm you. They're not going to do anything to you. But you have to go back to Egypt and face the problem that's oppressing you that you can deliver my people. So Moses makes his way back. And I'm telling you this tonight. God set this whole thing up. And this is important, church, because if Moses didn't go back and do it the right way, then Moses would have been trying to counsel what God was helping him to deliver. I'm telling you that tonight because the church has become a place where we counsel things that people used to cast out. We counsel things that people used to loose, that people used to break the chains because the anointing of God was on their life. Now we want to counsel it and say, let's take this step and let's do this and do that. And God says, I didn't do that. I broke it when I gave my son, when he died on the cross, when I sent my spirit, I broke the chain. I set you free and you have to walk in the freedom that's already been provided. So they leave Egypt, and they're instructed to sacrifice an animal and apply the blood of the animal to the doorposts, and that the death angel, when it came by, as long as the blood, the, door, the blood was applied to the doorposts, the death angel could not enter and cross the threshold. Church, that's so important tonight. We don't plead the blood of Jesus enough in this modern church day. He was trying to say something. This was not a demonic angel. This was a death angel. This was one that was coming to bring the destruction on behalf of God. And if the death angel didn't have the, the power to cross the threshold of the door because the blood was applied, how much more is important for you to plead the blood over your life that the enemy cannot cross the threshold where it's been applied and put himself inside your life and your situation and your family and your home? How much more important is it to plead the blood and apply it where God says to do it? Listen to me. That wasn't the end. I'm getting somewhere with this because God was trying to move them towards the promised land. God said, I've got something so good for you. You don't even know it. And God said, but here's the deal. I'm going to have to take you the long route because in the bondage and all the years, you're not ready to fight a war. And if I take you the straight way to the Red Sea to cross, you're going to walk through a camp of enemies that's going to wage war against you. 
So I'm going to have to take you around and see what happens is, is that we get saved. And because I'm not preaching the next day, I believe God's not dealing with me. But just because I get saved don't mean I'm going to be preaching the next day. And if I'm not preaching the next day, doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for me. And God's not walking that route for me. Let me tell you, God already has a path, a route, and a plan for your life if you would just allow him to lead you that way. And all of a sudden, they begin murmuring. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? You can just leave us there. Why you got to bring us out of this place? Why, why can't you just take us to the right place? See, that tells me something, that although they were free from the bondage of the enemy, they were not free from the spirit of oppression. Because although the fact that they were walking free, their mindset was still in the bondage that they lived in. Because every time they murmured, he said, but what about Egypt? What about my bondage? What about the thing that's oppressing me? They hit the road and all of a sudden they turn around and they can see the Egyptians pursuing them. Their past is catching up with them. Come on, we've been there. Don't you get quiet on me now. We've been there. We've walked with God and turned around and seen our path, our past on our heel and said, God, please don't let it catch up with me. God, please don't let this overcome me again. God, I'm pleading with you. I believe when they stood at the Red Sea and they could see the Egyptians coming down the hill that they were fearing and they were doubting and they were scared to death and they were begging God, please, why would you take us out of this place just to let us be killed this way? And listen to the words that Moses utters that changed it all. In Exodus 14, he says, Moses answered the people and he said, do not be afraid. He said, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. He said, stand firm where you are, that God is bringing deliverance to your life today. He said, the Egyptians that you see today, the bondage you see today, the oppression you see today, the things that have you tied up you see today, you will no longer see ever again. And we stop right there. And we get all happy. And we like, praise God. Praise God for that scripture. But Moses is saying, God, what do I do? And God said, Moses, what's in your hand? Moses, are you asking me for some miraculous thing? I've already provided you something. It's in your hand. Moses, take what's in your hand and stretch it forth. And the Bible says, as Moses stretched that staff forth, that the Red Sea parted. And that these children of God walked across on dry land. And I found that to be so profound that God would do something like that, even in the midst of their complaining, but God wanted them free so bad. And they turn around and here come the Egyptians and the ground is still dry. So they're on one side and they're coming on the other side. And all of a sudden, when there's nothing else can happen, the wheels of the chariots begin to fall off. All the things they had begin to fall off. And now the very enemy that's oppressed them is now in the middle of a place that God is fixing to swallow up. What am I trying to tell you? That the plan that the enemy had for your life tonight, as I preach this message, the wheels of that plan are falling off. That the plan he had for your family, they're falling off. The plan he had for your finances, they're falling off the plan he had for your kids they're falling and there's a sea of victory that'll swallow it up and you'll never see that battle again but let me tell you something they crossed over this Red Sea and they begin celebrating 
I get that. Probably should do that. And they're celebrating and they're partying and God has set us free and all these things. And in that moment, everything is great and everything's going good because I got free, I got saved, and now I'm going to church and now I'm getting excited and now I'm, I'm partying and now I'm, I'm, I'm praising God. I'm doing all these things, but just a few moments later, they start murmuring again. And they said, we're hungry. Did you bring us here to die again? What? We had bread in Egypt. There it goes again. I'm saved, but my spirit of oppression that had me here, my mind is still in Egypt. He said, I, well, we could have had food if you'd have left us in Egypt. And God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to feed them with manna from heaven. Even though they're whining, even though they're complaining, come on, that's some of us tonight, we get to whining and complaining about who God is, what God's done, what God ain't done, what we think God should do, what we thought he shouldn't do, what we think the people under God should do and shouldn't do and how they should do it. We're whining, murmuring, complaining, bickering, and God said, I'm feeding you manna, I'm giving you a word, I'm giving you something you can live on, I'm giving you power, I'm giving you authority, I'm giving you all these things, and it's just murmur, complain, murmur, complain, because I'm under a spirit of oppression. God said, I'm going to feed them manna. I'm going to feed them manna from heaven. Church, there are so many Christians that are saved today that are walking in freedom of salvation, but not freedom indeed. There's still oppression. There's still heaviness. There's still battles. Listen, it's not long before they get manna. They start complaining again. We're thirsty. We're thirsty. We're thirsty. Let me help you with something tonight. Let me get relevant. This is why women stay in abusive relationships. Because God will pull you out. And with freedom comes responsibility. God will pull you out, but when he pulls you out, he says, now you're responsible of getting your things to your own self. You're responsible of of allowing me to do the things in your life. You're responsible for relying on me and become responsible for a life between me and you. And because I've so long in my life and in my past been in this situation when, yes, I was abused, but although I was abused, there was provision there. Everything was there for me. I'm going to go back to my oppression because I don't want the responsibility of the freedom. Let me take it a little further. Addiction works that way. See, I want God to set me free and I want to be saved and I, and I walk out in salvation and all of a sudden I'm used to running the streets and running the roads and slinging dope and providing for myself that way and taking drugs and doing these things and this is getting me by and now God said, but I'm going to set you free but there's a responsibility to become a man and a woman that is going to come after my own heart and it's going to be hard at times and it's not going to make sense at times and you're going to struggle at times but if you want true freedom indeed, you're going to have to cling to the responsibility of serving a God that wants to set you free and because it's so hard and I know it's easy to find it the way I had it and I know I can make my way in that other life I go back to the oppression that had me it's not just that there's people that get in circles of life that gossip and I've got this comfort zone of friends around me pastor and all we do is sit around and talk about other people 
All we do is sit around and talk about what this one should do, shouldn't do, could do, wouldn't do, and all these things, and we talk about it and talk about it, but I'm going to get saved and go to church, and they're going to tell me I don't need to be that way, so I'm going to break away from that group. But when I get over here and I start feeling by myself and I'm feeling alone, and I got to start to do something that I know is, is close to me and dear to me, I go right back to the thing I used to because I have a spirit of oppression over me that's causing me to gossip. Religion is the same way. We serve under man laws and, 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 and man-made rituals and traditions. And then God sets us free from it. And God says, come on, I'm going to bring you out of there. I'm going to put you on a path of freedom. And I'm going to help you to do things the way I want you to do it. I'm going to help you to rely on me more than you relied on man and more than you relied on woman. And so God breaks us away from it. And we get by ourselves and they say, oh my goodness, I got to find a, I got to find a way to get a building. I got to get money. I got to get an account. I got to start all these, these legal documents. You mean I got to build an abstract? I got to, I got to build bylaws. I got to find leaders. I got to find a church. I came to church the first day. There's only one person. It's a lot easier for me to go back, sit under what they do and be oppressed by the spirit of religion because I don't want the responsibility of freedom. It's a spirit. It's a heavy spirit. Why? Because with freedom comes responsibility. And God told him, he said, here's the deal. I'm going to give you manna from heaven, but when you cross over to the promised land, there'll no longer be manna. There'll no longer be a provision. There'll no longer be the way I'm doing it. Because for 40 years, I have laid this manna at your foot. I have laid this bread right before you. I have provided everything you need. But when you cross over to the next season in the promised land, you are going to need to learn to exercise your own faith. You are going to need to learn to walk by faith. You are going to need to learn to have responsibility and cling to accountability with God. He said, you may have been in church all your life, but you have relied on the pastor. You have relied on the teacher. You have relied on the worship leader to bring you to a place that you've never been. You have relied on the people in the church to teach your kids. You relied on the people in the church to bring your family along. All these years, I put men at your feet but at some point you've got to walk in true freedom where you take on the responsibility where you take on the, the fullness and the walk in God that I've given you you have to take the next step because manna was only given to provide maturity not complacency and God was trying to mature them in this 40 years in the wilderness but they were steady in the complacency and God said that's enough it's time for you to cross over too many are worried tonight about what it'll be like to cross over. Pastor, what will it be like? Let me tell you what it's going to be like. You're going to learn to plant and harvest God's way. You're going to learn to listen to God's voice and God show you how to plant and take responsibility for being a mature Christian. You're not going to sit in the church any longer and be oppressed by the spirit of your past. You're not going to sit under these things any longer and allow the enemy to have his way with your life. He said you're going to have to cross over. And some have been saved. Listen to me. Some have been saved and are okay because the hand of the oppressor is no longer on you. They were okay with the fact that they weren't in Egypt, but they weren't okay with the fact that God wanted to bring them to true freedom. Because sometimes we like to stay where we are because the next season is something we've never seen. I've never had to pray that hard, Pastor. I've never had to fast that much, Pastor. I've never had to study that hard, Pastor. I've never had to rely on God the way I have, Pastor. I don't know why things in life happen the way they do, 
John 8 and 35 says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs forever. I don't want to be a slave. God said, I've created you to be sons and daughters. I've, I've created you for this walk to last forever. But you got to let me set you free. Listen to me. Some of us have been in the wilderness partying and celebrating our salvation for too long and not getting real with God and saying, God, I'm ready to go deeper. Because one, one sea called for one thing, but the next sea called for something else. God said there was two bodies of water standing between you and the freedom of your life. The first one was the Red Sea. You needed to be saved. So I provided a way and took you across on dry land and I devoured the enemy that had his hand upon your life. I took the oppressor by hand away from you and now you are saved. But salvation is not all God has provided for you. Salvation is for us to make it to him. But you got to live on this in this world while you're waiting for his return. And he said, there's another river called the Jordan. I need you to cross that one and be delivered and be sanctified and be set apart for my use that you can get into the next season and walk the way I've called you to walk. I don't want you between the Red Sea and the Jordan in the wilderness murmuring, complaining, and asking for it at your feet. I want you to walk across the Jordan and be set free. God was telling them this, and I'm telling you this tonight. It's time to cross over. It's time to cross over. God was trying to tell them that freedom is a messy thing. Ask the soldiers who fight for the freedom of this country if it's not messy. Ask them if they don't see bloodshed on the battlefield. Ask them if they don't have to do things that are uncomfortable, that they really don't want to do, but they know it costs for the freedom of the people they're fighting for. Ask Jesus about it as he put that cross upon his shoulder and he carried it down that road and he made his way up to the top of Calvary and there was a blood trail from where the beating started all the way until it finished. Ask Jesus if it wasn't messy for him to climb upon that cross for your freedom and my freedom. Ask him if it didn't cost something. Ask him if it wasn't painful. Ask him if he didn't have to suffer some. Ask him if he didn't have to sacrifice some things. Ask him if he didn't have to walk in uncomfortable ways. Ask him if people didn't do things to him he didn't think was right. Ask him how messy freedom really Really was and then ask yourself how messy freedom is to be a Christian has my life been that hard have I fought in battles have I let blood be shed his tears fail pastor I'm fighting today for my marriage my finances my home and I don't know why you're fighting because you are fighting off a spirit of oppression that wants your life if you are not fighting, you may be oppressed. If you are not walking through this life fighting daily to stay in the true freedom, not salvation, we're not questioning salvation, but you are not fighting daily to stay free indeed. I'm not keeping one step on the enemy. I'm not asking God to sanctify my heart on a daily basis. I'm not being like Paul and saying, crucify this old man daily. I'm not waking up in the morning and saying, God, help me not to fall to sin. Help him not to have a trap set before me. If I'm not walking daily fighting and battling it out, I may be oppressed by a spirit that says it ain't worth it and I don't need it. Philippians 1 and 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. Can I tell you something? If, if God has saved you through the blood of his son on Calvary, he is not finished with you. He said, I will work 
what I have started until the day of completion. Every day, I will perfect it. Every day, I will work on it. Every day, I will help them. Every day, I will love on them. Every day, I will lead them. Every day, I will be there for them. Every day, I'm going to help them to walk in victory. But how do we do it tonight? How do we do it? You're going to have to cross the Jordan. And when you cross the Jordan, you're going to have to tear down fortified cities. You're going to have to fight off giants. And that's what God was trying to prepare him for. He said, see, I don't want you. I'm trying to mature you and not let you get complacent. Because once you get across this Jordan, you're going to have to tear down big things to keep going. You're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to go forward in all the things I'm calling you to do. But I want you to stand all over this room tonight. If there's one thing tonight that the enemy wants you to know, and if there's one thing that he don't want you to know, is that you have a right for freedom. You have a right for freedom tonight. Pastor, how can you say that the Jordan River was so significant to their deliverance? How come they didn't put 12 stones of remembrance in the Red Sea? How come they said put the 12 stones of remembrance right here across the Jordan that you can take your kids back to this spot? You can take your family back to this spot. You can take your friends back to this spot. You can take your church back to this spot. You can take all your city back to this spot and show them this is the spot where our deliverance was ended. This is the spot where God completed it. This is the spot where he didn't just save me, but he delivered me. This is the spot where he set me free. And I came from a place of murmuring into a place of battle. I came from being on the team to being a soldier on the lines. I came from just being a part to really serving God and I fought and I battled and I went forward and I allowed God to move and that's why we stand where we do today and you can show your kids you don't have to stay on that side baby you can come across the Jordan you can be set free you don't have to let this world tell you who you are you don't have to let your friend define who you are you don't have to let your school define who you are but God provided victory and freedom and deliverance for a youth and a student just as he did an adult but do you have a point in your life right now that you can take them back to? Have you crossed that Jordan River? Have you truly been delivered from the oppression and that spirit that you can walk your child back to that moment and say, this is where daddy was on his knees and praying and the power of God showed up and God set me free and chains fell and all of my sin fell away and I was a free man and I walked in freedom and right here is where it happened. Can you do that? Can you do that? the last thing I'm going to tell you. The reason this is important. In 1863 is when the Emancipation Proclamation took place. That was when they went to abolish slavery. And in that moment, they were telling slaves that now you're free. You're no longer under the master. You're no longer a slave. But I find it interesting that it didn't reach Texas until 1865 because the enemy doesn't want you to know you have a right to freedom. But once it finally reached Texas, history tells us that two things happened. Some of them found out that freedom was their right and they made their way north that they could walk in the freedom. Some of them chose to stay where they were because bondage is all they knew. And they said, at least here I get a meal. At least here they pay me. At least here, my kids seen slavery and they know what it is and I don't have to explain it. 
At least here I'm used to this and everything around me is normal. At least this is the place I'm comfortable in. And that's what's happening to the church today. That's what's happening to people today. God said, I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you to another level. I'm calling you and letting you know you have a right to be free tonight. But I can either choose to cross the Jordan and be delivered and be set free from a spirit of oppression or I can stay where I am because I'm comfortable in my life and I will always face the same battle and I will always face the same trial and I'll always be begging for the same thing and I'll always be trying to help my kid with the same thing because I'm passing it down I'm passing it down I'm passing it down and the parents and the people in this room tonight have to make a decision are you free or are you not I didn't say are you saved are you free or are you not and he says because this is the problem when you know the truth the truth will set you free and you shall be free indeed I'm opening these altars right now it's been some heavy words in here tonight but I'm telling you right now that if we don't get out of this spirit of oppression that our kids will see worse things than you can ever imagine tonight we think in church that it's a game we think that we can play church on Wednesday night and Sunday night. Pastor, that's not a popular message. I'm not going for a popularity vote tonight. I'm trying to keep you and your kids and your grandchildren out of hell tonight. I'm trying to get them to a place where they can meet Jesus face to face and he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not a popularity vote. Mama and daddy's got to make a choice. Grandma and grandpa's got to make a choice. Somebody's got to make a choice tonight to say, I want to be free and free indeed. I'm tired of being oppressed. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of battling. I want to tear down cities. I want to fight giants. I want to move forward into a city and reach a nation, but I have to get myself set free tonight. I have to be delivered tonight, and I have to allow myself to be real, be true, be transparent, and say, God, I've come here. I'm expecting something, and I want to leave freer than I've ever been. Church, these altars are open tonight. Come on, I'm not going to plead and beg with you to come, but I want to tell you, oppression is nothing to play with. And tonight, you can be set free. Father, we love you. God, we are thankful tonight, God, that you gave us messages of truth tonight, oh God. Lord, that you came tonight, God, and you showed us, Lord, that your, your desire for us tonight, God, is to be free indeed. That your desire for us tonight, God, is to walk in complete freedom. We don't need to battle these sins. We don't need to battle these struggles. But God, we need to be set free. We need to let the Spirit of God let loose in our life. We need to let the Spirit of God move us forward in our life. We need to let this city know that there are men and women that stand in the belief that God will set you free and you don't have to live the life that you once lived. You don't have to suffer in sin. We didn't come to settle and we didn't come to coast. But God, we've come to be set free tonight. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that right now you would begin to deal with our hearts. You'd begin to deal with our minds. Lord, you'd begin to draw us closer tonight. And God, I pray, Lord, that there's power in this place that the Spirit of God would have its way, Lord. God, we will give you all the glory and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on and work. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenni's 3D virtual try-on. Wait. 
Are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.